So let me remind you, if you are in a life group and uh, you took a break, not all life groups took breaks uh, in the middle of the summer, for the summer, um, we will resume the, not this week, but the next week, September 11th. If you're not in a life group um, and you want to know more, you want to find out like what, you know, what's, what our life group's all about, uh, we're going to have a meet and greet on September the 18th. So that's two weeks from today. And uh, we've had a lot of people. We have about 24 people who have actually, um, who are interested in life groups. And um, so this is for you. If you're not in a life group and you want to find out a little bit more, uh, meet and greet. We're going to provide lunch September 18th. And uh, please sign up. There is limited space. Um, and I don't know that, I think with the number of people that we're having, that we're going to be able to, to get everybody. So uh, there's limited space. Sign up, lifepointfc.com. We want to make sure that we have enough food for you. We want to make sure that we um, have, uh, take care of you know, any child care needs that you may have. And so that's not next Sunday. That's the following Sunday, September 18th. And that's for uh, anybody that's not in a life group that wants to be in a life group. Um, so I, I want to encourage you, uh, take a second during the service as I'm speaking. If this is something that you're interested, uh, don't wait. Don't put it off. And uh, literally, if you go to lifepointfc.com, at the top there's a little bar. Just click on it, and we'll, all we need is your name, phone number, and you know how many of you are coming, if you have kids, and all of that. All right, I want to welcome you to week nine of Blueprint. Okay, this is, I think, officially the longest series that I've ever done in my life. Okay, nine weeks into it, we're on the last chapter. It's a series on the book of Ephesians, and uh, we're learning to make the best of what God gives us. And so we're in Ephesians chapter six. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. Uh, we're talking about parenting. And the Bible says that children are a gift to us. Um, now, I don't know how you interpret that verse when you're, you know, you're, you're uh, two-month-old baby's waking up in the middle of the night at 2.30 in the morning, right? It's like, Lord, are you sure this is the right translation? Children are a gift for us. Uh, but that's what the Bible says. They're a gift to us. And so um, we, got, we have to steward what God has given us, right? Whether it's finances, uh, usually that word steward is... is in relation, it's used um, about finances, but being a good steward means being a good manager, right? And so if God's given you kids, um, this is one of those messages that I believe that will help you. So we're talking about, about parenting, how parents and children relate to each other. And you either, you either have parents or you've had, had parents, or you are a parent yourself. So I really believe this is one of those that, man, it'll hit all of us. I remember when I was a young, 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 young pastor, like just starting out, um, and I was very, very, very green, and I decided to do this seminar on parenting, okay, before I had kids or anything, and I came up with this incredible lesson on parenting. The title of it was Proven Principles for Effective Parenting, and I was so proud of myself. And then I had, we had our first kid, and um, I continued doing the seminar every couple of years, but the title changed a little bit. And the title became uh, Counsel for Those Who Are Trying <laughs> to Parent. <laughs> uh, well, sure enough, a few years later, we had two more kids, 
And actually, I was a youth pastor by now. I had the same content, the same seminar, and uh, the title once again changed. It went from proven principles of effective parenting to uh, some suggestions for struggling parents. So I don't know if those titles reflect it, um, my parenting skills or, uh, or what, but um, my parenting feelings. But one thing I can tell you, it is tough. It is hard to raise up kids. It is difficult. And, um, and so when it comes to parenting, everybody has an opinion. Everybody will tell you what to do, right? Like your boss, your coworkers, you know, your grandparents, your mom and dad. Everybody has an opinion on how you should do it. I remember I was at a at a store, grocery store. I think it was in North Carolina, and I was buying Andrew a toy, a gun, like a like a water gun, but it wasn't a water gun. It was just a little. Uh, toy gun and the guy that was in front of me looked at me and he said he said you shouldn't do that and I was like oblivious to I don't I didn't understand what he was saying and he's like you shouldn't do that and I was like what did I do you know I kind of like took a step back and then he pointed to the toy you shouldn't you shouldn't do that and I was like oh okay and I didn't say anything I didn't want to be rude he was an older gentleman um, but today today we're, we're not going to look at what psychology says about parenting we're not going to look at what other people say about parenting, we're going to look, we're going to go straight to God's word. And one of the benefits to doing the series like this is that we're going chapter by chapter, verse by verse. And so three weeks ago, uh, we talked about marriage. If you were not here for that um, and you want a great message on marriage, go back and listen to it. Uh, You can watch it on YouTube. Um, Then last week, we talked about dating. And uh, I think I had lots of good feedback from you guys. And so if you're single, um, if you're divorced, if this is something that's applicable to you, I really encourage you to go back and listen to it. And then it just happens that, you know, Ephesians chapter 6 is the next chapter, and it's, it talks about parenting. So let's, let's see what God has to say about this topic. Verse, uh, verse 1. I'm reading from the New, uh, New Living Translation. It says, it's children, obey your parents because, and I love this. Here's the why. Because you belong to the Lord. I love that line. For this is the right thing to do. Verse 2. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you. And this is not just for teenagers. I want you to know this is for all ages. Okay? Things will go well for you, and you will have a long life, and it's specific, on the earth. Fathers, verse 4, and by the way, when, the, when, when I looked this up, this, this actual word in the Greek, and that word actually is translated in different, like it's in the Greek, it's understood as parents, which I thought it was interesting. So it's not just dads, it's dads and moms. And so when it says fathers, in fact, some translations actually put the word parents. So it's both. Do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. And the mix of those two, discipline and instruction, uh, actually, when you put those words together in the same sentence, it has the idea of nurture. And I'll talk to you about that 
in a little bit. When you nurture a child, it's both. It's discipline, but it's also instruction, and we'll talk about it here in a minute. Hey, let's, let's begin with a word, word of prayer. I'll be just full disclosure. I'm not feeling well this morning. I don't know what's wrong, uh, but just pray for me. And, you know, massive headache. I feel like I have water in my brain. It's not fun to do that, but we're going to push through, and I know God's going to you know, we're going to do this thing. Father God, I just thank you so much for your word. I thank you for the instruction that you give us. God, I pray that, God, your spirit would just penetrate our minds and hearts. This is, this is a topic that I think it's a big deal, God. We believe in the now generation, God, and it's up to us. Um, you know, we often say in church, it takes a village. And so even if, even if one of us is not a parent, God, I pray that we would take some principles and that we would uh, use it to, uh, to help other parents and to be an encouragement. And so, God, we just dedicate the next uh, 24 minutes to you and just ask that you would um, speak to our hearts, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So, a couple of questions. The first one is, what clear direction does God give us? Okay, so not psychology, not the cleric at the store, not your coworker, but what does God tell us to do when it comes to this subject and then the second question is what decisions does he leave up to us because there's a lot of room right there's a lot of um, choices that we can make uh, that God says this is up to you okay in one set of parents you, you know they may lead in a particular direction another set of parents they're both Jesus followers they're both on fire for Jesus and they may go in different directions and so we're going to look at that I'm going to give you I'm going to give you the like the outline ahead of time just so you know where we're going two principles we're, we're going to cover in today the first one is how God wants our children to respond to us Okay, so that's the first principle. How does God want my children to respond to me? The second one is, how does God want me to respond to my kids? And we'll spend the majority of the time on point two, okay? So number one, how does God want my children to respond to me? Like, if I'm going to be a good parent, no, no. If I'm going to be a great parent, I better know what God tells kids, right? So that I can... No, like I can learn and, and, and figure out how to lead them and how to help them out. And so we're going to look at, you know, how does God want um, our kids to respond to us? Now, in these verses, there's two things that God says, watch out for. It says, in their actions and in their attitudes. In their actions, he says, verse 1, he says, they have to obey you. And there's no questions about this. Like, it, it's very, to me, it's, it's extremely clear. Like, there's no, you don't need to know Greek or Hebrew or anything like that. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. For this is the right thing to do. So any parenting technique, any book out there, any, uh, any advice you hear, any system out there that leaves obedience out of the equation, I want you to know it's not God's will. It is God's will for your kids to obey you as a parent. So in their actions, help me out, in their actions, they must, what's the word? Obey, all right? Now in their attitude, if you look at the next verse, they must honor you. And there's a difference between obedience and honor, right? You can obey and not honor. You can do what somebody else is asking you to do and still not show honor, okay? And I think that's, that's really important. So in their actions they obey, in their attitude they honor. Verse 2, honor your father and mother. This is the first, watch this, this is the first commandment with a promise. So what's God saying? It's not saying that this is the first commandment, 
What God is saying is, this is the, of the list of the Ten Commandments, this is the first one that God attaches a promise with. And he says, if you do this, then there is a special blessing that will come your way. And the blessing is both quality and quantity. He says, the quality of your life, and maybe, maybe you're like me, you're in your 40s, uh, or you're a full-grown adult, and you know you um, you have older parents, right? And you you're like, okay, how do I honor them, or why should I honor them at this stage in the game? I'm like, I should be my own person. Like, I've been living on my own for a long time. Why do I need to do it? Well, when you look at God's word, He says, hey, let me let me give you a little nugget of truth here. There is a there is a special blessing that I will that I will usher in when you show honor to your parents. And it has to do with both the quality of your life and, it, he says, the length of your life. Now, did you know that statistically, people of faith, people that, that believe in Jesus Christ, actually live longer? There was a Gallup poll um, years ago that came out with this, with this research, and they said that if you're a person of faith, not that all the problems in your life go away. No, that's, not, that's not the case. But what they determine is that people who have faith, all of a sudden, they, they have coping mechanisms, right? Whether it's prayer, whether it's, you know, um, things like life groups where you have people that are going to support you and lift you up and, and, and you know, a number of other things. But they say people of faith, actually, statistically, they live longer. Now, we don't need science, Right? To, to tell us is we have the, the promise of God's word. All right, so principle one, I must understand what God wants to tell my kids, okay, or what God, uh, how God wants my kids to respond to me. In their actions, they must obey. In their attitude, they must honor. Once you do that, once you know that, okay, you can move on to number two. But you really can't move on to number two unless you know number one. Okay, you know, number one, then now you can help them, you can lead them. So, number two, I've got to understand how God wants me to respond to them. Okay, now, in a nutshell, okay, under point two, there's two things that he says. He says, number one, there's something that I do not want you to do, and then there is something that I do want you to do. As a parent, there is one thing that I don't want you to do. Okay. And like the way you respond to your kids. And there's one thing that I do want you to do. The thing that he says don't do is, did you pick up on it? I think it was in verse three. He says, do not, what's the word? I'm, I'm reading from the NLT, so provoke them. Okay, and there's different words for that in different translations. Do not provoke them. So how do you provoke kids? I got four quick points real quick. And it's usually, essentially it's the same thing that your, your boss does to you to provoke you, okay? It's the same thing, okay? It's, it's a little bit different, but the, the four points actually, they apply. One, unclear boundaries, unclear boundaries. So like when you say to your kids, um, don't watch too much TV. Well, what is too much TV, right? Don't stay up too late. What's too late? 
It's 12.30, too late. It's 2.30, too late. It's 4.30 in the morning, too late. Did I pass my, you know, staying up all night, too late. You know, like what's too late? I I often make this mistake. I I say things, I communicate things, and I think that my kids are already going to understand my expectations. And it's actually frustrating both at work with your superior when they put something on you and it's unclear, it's unclear boundaries, it's unclear expectations. And it's the same thing for your kids at home. When you don't speak clearly to them, clear boundaries. Now, one mistake that I often see parents make is when we think that boundaries are bad. It's almost like boundaries get a bad you know, rap. And I don't know why, but uh, sometimes I see parents that all they try to do is be their kids' best friends. Listen, let me, let me kind of help you out. Your calling is not to be your kid's best friend. And if that's your heart, I, I get it. That's awesome. Thumbs up. But your calling is to be their parent. You ought to lead them and help them. And if that, if that means like you're going to try to be their best friend at times, that's phenomenal. But you should not always lean in that direction. And so um, there was a, a study done a while back where they... Uh, they took a fence, a chain link fence around a nursery schoolyard. And what they were thinking is that kids were going to be, they're going to feel free to roam around and explore and run and, you know, without this visible va- um, barrier around them. So they, they took the, the fence out. And you know what they learned? The kids did the actual opposite of what they thought they were going to do. They thought they were going to be running around and exploring. Actually, they all kind of huddle in the middle of the playground. And they found out that, what they found out is that they felt unprotected when they took the boundaries off, when they took the the fence off. And so when you look at God's word, boundaries are not bad. What's bad is when your boundaries are unclear. That's what frustrates them. And that's what frustrates you at work. When you don't set the proper, uh, clear expectations, boundaries, same thing, right? Proverbs 3, uh, 1 says this, My child, never forget the things that I've taught you. Store my commands, another word for boundaries, right? God's commandments are our boundaries. Never forget what I've taught you. Store my commands in your heart. And then verse 2, it says this, If you do this, You will, once again, you will live many years and your life will be, what? Help me out. Say it out loud. Your life will be satisfying. Satisfying. And so think of it like a basketball game without rules. It would be a mess. Rules actually allow for freedom Rules actually, and this is coming from somebody that's, I'm not like a rule follower. You ask my wife, she's a rule follower. I hate rules, okay? But when I read God's word, I understand that rules, boundaries, they promote fairness. They promote freedom. They help us actually enjoy life. Imagine watching a game of basketball where there were no rules. Everybody could do whatever they wanted to do. You couldn't enjoy it. It wouldn't be fun. You know, everybody would, you know, be doing whatever they wanted to do, whatever they thought was right in their own eyes. And so, boundaries. What provokes your kids? Unclear boundaries. Number two, inconsistent discipline. Inconsistent discipline. So your child does something, and today there's a form of punishment, but then they do the same thing next week, but you're tired. You've had a long day. 
You know, you're maybe in a, in a, you're discouraged or maybe it's one of those days. It's just not good. And they don't, you don't, you kind of ignore it, right? And then they do the same thing two weeks later, but you're frustrated now. Okay, and you're actually angry that something happened at work, that things didn't go the way, and so you take it out on your kids. It's the worst thing that you can do for your kids. Uh, you, um, one, once, like, mom says something, dad says something else. Like, you have, you know, a, a, one of the siblings does something, and they get a form of punishment, a consequence, and then there's another set, I mean, there's another kid does the same thing a month later, and they, you know, they get a different set of consequences. Inconsistent discipline. When are we inconsistent? Think about it. When we're tired, for sure, right? It's like, oh, man, I don't want to deal with this today. You know, it's not worth it. Like, I'm just, uh, I'll do it later. When you listen to what God's Word says, First Corinthians 15, 58, it's a good reference. First Corinthians 15, 58, it says, So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. This is talking primarily uh, as far as like, like serving um, Christ in the, within the context of the church. But I, I really want to use that verse within the context of the family because often we, we, we get to that point where, you know, life, and listen, I'm a parent, so like you're going 100 miles an hour, so I'm not pointing, I'm not judging, but, but often what happens is we're so tired that we say, man, it's just not worth it right now. I cannot fight. Like, it takes an enormous amount of energy to discipline, doesn't it? Like mentally, emotionally, spiritually. And your kids, I always remember my mom says, like, this is, this is gonna hurt me more than it hurts you. <laughs> yeah, right, you know? And she was panking me. It's like, no, this is not gonna hurt you more than me. What are you talking about? And then years later, I can understand how much dread it is to have a conversation, to, you know, trying to, because you're not, like, kids think that you're perfect, right? And like, no, I'm a, I, I, I still screw up as a parent. I still have, I'm a human being, and I'm trying to figure out this whole thing. I told my kids um, when they got into the teen years, I was like, hey, give me a break. I've never had teenagers before. You know, I just need, like, you know, I, like, seriously, like I was telling them, give me a break. You know, because often I would, I'd make mistakes in communicating and doing, doing those things. But if you look at this verse, I like those words, be strong and immovable. Be strong and immovable. It has the idea of like anchoring yourself to something that's greater than you. It may be, it may be that you're like, it's, it's like your, your, your devotional time with the Lord, prayer time. I don't know what it is for you, but it's, it's kind of the picture. I remember we went to the beach um, not long ago, and it was a sunny day, super windy, okay? And so people were popping up those, like those uh, canopies, right? And I remember thinking, they're going to be flying away in a few minutes. And sure enough, you know, few hours in the afternoon wind picked up and here they go flying like a kite those you know what i'm talking about right those those square canopies well those come with a little string and a little and little like stakes okay and most people you know we're not like and i'm including myself we just set up the canopy and we hope for the best right well the words there immovable and strong has the idea of like take the time to stake yourself to something 
When you, and I applaud you for being here on Labor Day weekend, right? Like, man, you made the right choice. And, and it's not a guilt trip if you ever take a, a weekend off. That's not my heart. But I love the fact that you say, you know what? I'm, I'm going to consistently ground myself, anchor, my, anchor myself to something that's greater than me. And so when the wind of life comes, you can at least center yourself and you can say, you know what? Yeah, I've made some mistakes, but you can readjust. Okay. Let me give you a couple more. When are we inconsistent? When we're tired. Two, when we don't communicate with our spouses. Um, three, um, anger. When we are angry. What provokes our kids? Undeserved anger. Unresolved anger. Okay? Um, and I said it earlier, something happens at work. You, know, you, you get into an argument with your spouse, and sometimes we take it out on them. Um, Bible says, Ephesians 4 and 26, and don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Usually this verse is used for marriage, but I think it can be used for parenting as well. You know, and so, so don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Somebody said, sleeping on your anger is like sleeping on a bed of nails. It's really hard to wake up refreshed. And so, kind of a little bit of a side note. What do you do when you're in a, in a family unit? And this could be used in all areas of life. Uh, maybe you're not a parent and this is like everybody's yelling at work everybody's arguing it just seems to be that's just the culture what do you do when uh how do you break that cycle of yelling and arguing that just seems to affect so many so many uh families well god gives us a little hint god says this he says a gentle answer turns away do you know it wrath a gentle answer turns away wrath that word gentle gentle words are humble words being humble is when you say you know what i'm going to think about your needs more than i'm going to think about my needs and it's just a little verse that's tucked away in the bible but i'm telling you apply it somebody did this to me the other day okay i was a little bit passionate about something i wouldn't say i was quite angry but i was like definitely i was bringing the heat into this conversation and this person Give me a gentle answer. And immediately it was like, shh, everything calmed down a little bit. I, 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 I challenge you. Next time you're into an argument with your kids, you're yelling, or they're yelling, or, you know, just chaos, arguing, you know, just apply this verse and see if it works, okay? A gentle answer turns away wrath. All right, one more, one more. Um, unbalanced criticism what provokes your kids unbalanced criticism not that they don't need criticism not that you ever like you don't, you don't ever criticize them no 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 that's not what i'm saying what i'm saying is criticism that's not balanced with by with praise okay so you say this is wrong that's wrong what were you thinking how could you have done this your need your kids need criticism but they need it balanced with lots of praise and so it's sort of picture a scale right praise weighs a lot less than criticism 
okay? And you want to have balance of the two. You do want to speak to them when they're doing something wrong. You know, you, you want to make sure that you're communicating with them. But, but it, can't be, it cannot be unbalanced. If it is unbalanced, you're going to provoke them. You're going to frustrate them. And so what experts say is, is, is 10 to 1 is the ratio. 10 praises for every one. You probably heard it for adults, 7 to 1. Okay, well, with kids, it says it takes 10 to 1. 10 part praise to 1 criticism. And, and so the question is for all of us are we overly critical? What, what, do you, what do you mean by overly critical? Well, overly critical would mean you praise them one time, but you criticize them 15 times, right? You overly critical would also mean, you know what? I told him something good, and I told, I told him something critical. That's not balanced because we know that criticism weighs a lot more than praise. I hope that, does that make sense? Yeah? Okay. So let's review. We're going to kind of wrap it up here. Principle one, I must understand how God wants my children to respond to me. I've got to know that. That's important. Okay? Like, you, in, in their actions, they've got to obey. In their attitude, they have to honor you. You've had to, you have to know that if you're going to apply number two. Number two is I have to understand how God wants me to respond to them. And we said, in a nutshell, we said there's one thing that God does not want me to do, and then there's one thing that he wants me to do. The thing that he does not want me to do is doesn't want me to provoke them. The one thing that he wants all of us to do is to nurture them. To nurture them. It's really, it's really interesting when you look at how often Jesus spoke about children, how he raised them up from kids who, who were dead, how his disciples were arguing about who's going to be the greatest, and he would call a kid from the, the crowd. It's like, hey, you gotta, your heart needs to be like this child. If, you're, if your heart doesn't change like this kid, like you're not going to get anywhere. You're not going to make it. You're trying to think who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. Buddy, you know, change your, your way of thinking because you're not going to make it. You got to change your heart. Jesus understood firsthand what it involves, what it takes to nurture a child. In short, if you're taking notes, write this down. It means... It means to, to set up the right environment. So when a baby's born, are you responsible for that baby's physical growth? Like, can you make that baby grow physically? No, you can't. You can, I mean, you, you're responsible to feed them, make sure that you change them, make sure that they're taking naps whenever, whenever they need to take naps. All those things, yes. But the one that's responsible for their, their physical growth is God. God's the one that's going to help them grow physically, right? You're responsible to nurture what God is already doing. The same thing spiritually. Are you the one that's going to that's gonna make your kids grow up like spiritually speaking? No, you're not responsible to make that spiritual growth happen. God's going to do that. What you do is you, you're the nurturer. You're the, you're the gardener. You're the, you're the one that sets the right environment. I mean, farmers know this. Intuitively, they know. You know, I can't make my crops grow. I, 
I can set up the right environment. And so I'll say this. One of the situations you may be dealing with is your kids may be worrying about something. Did you know that kids actually worry about things that are like a, a big deal to them? We look at them and we so, sometimes, I do it all the time, we're so focused on our own priorities that we forget that their problems are, they're a big deal. It's, it's you, um, you know, you've heard the term new, new levels, new devils, kind of like, like the Mario game, the Super Mario game. Don't ask me why, but I've been playing that game. It's just bringing back memories. My kids see me watching the game, you know. And when you get started, it's intense because you don't know how to play the game. But as you, as you reach new levels, you reach new, what? New, new devils. And the intensity when you're at the end of the game is as hard as at the beginning because you've actually gotten better, but the problems have gotten bigger. And so the intensity that your kids, when, when they go through a test, when they go through something in life that's just, that's like you're looking at it from the, the perspective of like, hey, if you fail that class, it's not the end of the world. You know, I failed that one and that one and that one, and I'm still here, you know. They don't see it that way because they, they haven't lived through that. So how do you nurture your kids? Bible says with kind words. Right, if you were taking notes, Proverbs 12, 25. I love this verse. An anxious heart weighs a person down, but kind words cheer them up. So you'd be surprised what speaking kindness will do to your kids when they're worried about things that seem insignificant to you. I'll leave you with this verse. 1 Thessalonians 2, 11, For you know that... We dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children. I love this. As a father deals with his own children. The next verse, encouraging, comforting, urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. How do you nurture your kids? You're going to nurture them personally. So family get-togethers, they're good having a family meal after church thumbs up that's phenomenal but I encourage you to connect with them on a one-on-one -on -one level take them out to eat every once in a while and connect them just one-on-one just -on -one. okay so you're gonna you're gonna nurture them practically help them grow where they, wherever they want to grow they want to learn to drive man I know it's 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 difficult but help them like get in the car and help them drive they want to I don't know they want to learn to cook bake they want to you know they're into a sport and they want to grow in that sport get in there help them nurture them not just personally but practically and the last one is nurture them patiently especially if you have teenagers right their hormones are all over the place so just remember you were there once and sometimes it takes a little bit of patience to love them the farmer understands this. He knows, I can't make the seed grow. All I can do is set the right environment. And the same thing can be said of you and I. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for the way you parent us. God, help us to learn from your word how to be better parents. Help us to know the difference between obedience and honor. Help us to understand 
the times God give us discernment whenever we have to put our foot down whenever we need to be a little bit more flexible but, but God above all may our children see our hearts after you God may we learn to ask for forgiveness when we mess up may we learn to lead with humility may we not provoke them Father but nurture them God thank you for your words we pray in Jesus name Amen. Let's all stand.